The Weather Jazz Podcast. Almost anything can happen. Why? Because it's Open Mind Friday. Oh, yes, it is Friday. We made it, and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather. Science, earth science, astronomy, geology, volcanology, a lot going on in Iceland. Uh, But occasionally we go off topic, and this is one of those Fridays. We will be uh, continuing our series on little free libraries in just a moment. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bronier. I am the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 175 for April 9th, 2021. Well, we're entering into the dry slot here on this Friday here in the Ohio Valley. Uh, The... Wraparound moisture, though, in western Ohio could trigger some thunderstorms. That should be interesting this afternoon, so keep an eye out for that. Most of eastern Ohio, though, should stay out of the fray on this Friday, just in case you're picking this up and listening to it on this Friday afternoon. And today, we're going to be picking up on our topic. Our topic from last week was the Little Free Library Phenomenon. And that was started a little over 10 years ago now. And we've got one more series beyond today. And I'll tell you more about that at the conclusion of today's interview. But today... I have invited onto the podcast a gentleman whose name is Jarrett Lerner. Jarrett is an author, and he's originally from Massachusetts, currently living in Florida, but uh, he bounces back and forth, um, dependent on the season. But being an author, I was looking for an author that enjoys taking his books and contributing his books to the Little Free Library. What drives him to do that? And perhaps we'll find out a little bit more about his books and for those interested in getting his books where we can get them. So without further delay, let's get right into our interview. This is Jarrett Lerner, an author, and let's find out about his books and about his interests in the Little Free Library. Well, Jarrett Lerner is with me this beautiful Friday as a part of the Little Free Library series that we're doing. Jarrett, welcome to Open Line Friday on Weather Jazz. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Jarrett, you currently are in Florida, but you're a native of Massachusetts, and I can relate, which is really, really cool. And I found you on a hashtag, uh, a Twitter hashtag of Little Free Libraries. And we're doing a series on little free libraries, not only the people who build them, who put them up there and trying to get people, more people to read, but 
I also wanted to cover the angle of people who donate or uh, take books. And in your case, you're an author, so you took your books and you are putting them into little free libraries. So my question to you first, first part, how did you ever discover little free libraries? And number two, what gave you the idea to put your books in them? So um, I've known about little free libraries for years now, but I think along with a lot of other people, um, when the sort of the movement and the creation of them was just getting started, I just, uh, like everyone else, started seeing them pop up here and there in people's lawns, um, in public spaces. Um, and I was, you know, like, what are these, what are these little model houses and, or these little bird houses? What are these? And then finally investigating them a little bit closer, I discovered that they were filled with books. And, um, mm. if it's a little free library that has been registered with, with, with little free libraries, they have this little nameplate often where there's a number and you can find them on a map and locate them. So, um, I started seeing that little tag on them and I researched and looked into it. Um, and I just love the idea and love the sort of proliferation of them. They're now everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's almost odd to not see them uh, pop here and there when you're out and about. Um, so I just love it. Um, in addition to being an author and an illustrator, I do a tremendous amount of work um, trying to uh, solve issues of book ac access inequity. Mm -hmm. So they're, tens of millions of children uh, in this country who don't have book access, who can't reach for a book whenever they want it, who can't, um, you know, just uh, for entertainment, for information, whether they, whether they don't have it at home or don't have access to a library, book access is a huge problem. Our country is rife with book deserts. And I think little free libraries do an incredible job getting at some of these problems and, and for many solving them. So for me, putting my own books and others' books that I read into a little free library is, I think, doing a little bit to, uh, you know, um, chip away at, at some book access problems. You make an interesting point because uh, the first interview that we did, uh, a local a person here in the greater Cleveland area who put a little free library at their elementary school uh, she made a very good point. She said, what use is there for a book that you have read to start collecting dust in your bookcase? Mm -hmm. It does it does no good for anybody, so you might as well get that book, the one that you enjoyed so much, put it in the hands of somebody else. 100%. Um, my mission as an author and an illustrator is to turn kids into lifelong readers, lifelong book lovers. Um, I want them to like my books, but more than that, I want my the enjoyment they have of my books to get them uh, eager to read more and to always read and to figure out all the other stuff that books can books can give to them and and how they can enrich their lives. So, yeah, I, I think I had a moment, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago, where I looked at my shelves and I said am I really going to ever pick that up again? Am I? And, and, you know, mm -hmm. as an author and illustrator, I do keep some books for reference for use because I look at them frequently um, for my work, but the other ones that I don't think I'm going to read again, I, I, I give away and get out into the world so they can, so they can do more good books can do so much good. But if 
They sit on your shelf for a decade unread. They're not doing anyone any good. You used two words that I found were interesting, author and illustrator. What came first or did they both come together? Yeah, great question. Um, I think I was drawing, you know, like as an infant and a toddler before I was writing. Um, and I think we're all author, we're all artists. We can all draw. Uh, it's this weird thing where in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we start to get this idea that uh, we either have to be born able to draw uh, or we can't do it ever. When really it's a skill that we can all master with, uh, you know, practice and, and dedication. Um, so uh, I think I've been drawing longer than I've been writing. But for me, um, as a creator of stories, as a storyteller, um, both things come at me sort of at the same time. So I start all my stories longhand because I never really know, is this gonna story going to unfold in my imagination visually more than it is verbally? Um, and I just sort of need uh, a receptacle that can catch it all. So I usually start my work in notebooks. And then the final form of a book, through the revision process, sometimes it's got more words, more pictures, um, it all depends on what is best in service of the story. It's uh, it's a storybook essentially. What you're doing is a is a storybook in notebook form. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, I just find it easier to sort of uh, you know to hop from the computer to a tablet or a computer to a paper. I just find it easier to to dump it all out in in a notebook. Well, tell me about your books. Uh, what are they about? Uh, and it sounds like the target may be for a younger audience, uh, but not necessarily, perhaps. Yeah. So I, I write children's books and um, mostly in what's called the middle grade area. So uh, that's roughly six to 12. Um, and some of mine stretch down to more like five years old and um, maybe even younger. Um so I write everything from uh, chapter books to uh, middle grade novels um, and uh, uh, graphic novels and comics. And um, I also have a line of activity books um, mm. to encourage kids creativity, to teach them how to draw things, how to train their brain to sort of search for story ideas, how to make their own comics. So um, something I often say about my work is that I don't just want to uh, impress kids with what I can do in a book. I want them to in turn be impressed by what they can do. Ah, so I've got to always good. keep mm -hmm. my books uh, encouraging, whether they're novels or activity books or early chapter books. I hope they will encourage kids to tell their own stories, to create and to, you know, share their ideas and um, thoughts and imaginations with the world. It sounds like perhaps that's one of the reasons why you were attracted to little free libraries, because that, in essence, does the same kind of thing you're, you're sharing, and you're hoping to share the love of reading with others and open up somebody's world. And of course, you're not only doing that by stuffing those uh, in a wonderful sense, but you're doing it with your work, too. And there must be a level of satisfaction knowing that your work is going to end up with somebody else's hand uh, to enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's another sort of uh, way to achieve uh, sort of my mission. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, people, people don't get into um, 
authoring and illustrating, uh, you know, it's, it's not a quick, easy path to riches. So um, it's not like if I'm selling a few less books and, and giving some away by putting them into little free libraries, or if someone who buys my book is then putting it into a little free library, you know, it's more important to me that that book get read and get use and reach more kids than it is to get, you know, my 90 extra cents of royalties and saying, don't put mm -hmm. that book in there, you know, don't, you know, I, make, make someone buy it, you know? It's interesting. Uh, I often mention with, uh, with five, I think five or six books that I have, I do it because I love writing. I don't do it to make money. Uh, at all. In fact, if I was able to buy a cup of coffee from it, good. <laughs> you know, yeah, that kind right. of thing. I do it because I, I just love the craft and I love uh, sharing stories, that kind of thing. Uh, but getting back to the Little Free Library and when did it first occur to you to put your books in those? Uh, and when did you discover it? Did you discover those in Massachusetts or you're in Florida now? In fact, so, I'm looking. I'm looking behind you right now, and and I see a ton of books behind you. So it's very apropos that we're talking about books and little free libraries. Yeah, so I, I definitely did discover them first uh, in 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 Massachusetts um, when I was at, at, at home, um, and I it occurred to me to put my books in little free libraries um, before I even had any books. Um, I remember in the oh. lead up in the, in the lead up to publication. Mm -hmm. uh, of my first book is about five years ago now, I think. Um, I planned, I had this whole plan that I was going to go and take a picture putting my book for the first time in a little free library. There's one right down the street from my house in Medford, Massachusetts. And um, so I've got a picture somewhere on my phone, somewhere on social media, years and years ago of me, um, you know, giving my book, in, putting my book in one of those things into the circulation um, and I think I actually wrote in a, in a sticky pad. It didn't, it didn't work out, um, at least not yet, but I wrote in a note in it. Um, if you find this book, like reach out to me. I think I put my email or something or my mm -hmm. website. Cause I was really, I really wanted to see sort of where the book had traveled. Um, it didn't work out, but maybe someday someone will reach out to me and say, Hey, I've got that book. You threw in a little free library in Massachusetts. And who knows, maybe it'll end up in Montana or uh, Las Vegas. And that was going to be one of my questions. And you kind of already answered that is, have you ever tracked your books as they went out into the public? But, uh, well, I hope uh, somewhere along the line that will happen. And if by chance you still have that photo of you putting that first book, if you could send that to me, I'm going to post that in my show notes so that people can see that uh, since you made reference to it if you if you happen to have a copy yes i'll see if i can find it i definitely have other pictures of me stuffing little free libraries but i'll try to find that very first one now one of the books uh that uh, or one of the titles that you have in your book kind of captured my imagination uh because it has the word nerd in it because i consider myself uh, you know most most meteorologists consider themselves weather nerds i mean really yeah. because we eat we sleep we drink weather we drink isobars isodrosotherms and all that fun stuff i mean it's it's like uh, a nerd on weather steroids uh, but uh, you have a book at least one of the titles had nerd in it tell me about that 
Yeah, so it's the the Engineers series. It's uh, you know a combination, a portmanteau of of engineers, engineers and, and nerds, engineers. And it's a series of three books. It's a trilogy. The third one is just recently out. Engineers: Revenge of the Engineers and the Engineers Strike Back. Um, and these were books, uh, you know, sort of inspired by me and my friends. We were um, uh, the, the Engineers are crafty, clever, creative kids who are sort of unabashedly nerdy. And um, I think nerds are people who are passionate and what's more, proudly passionate. So um, I kind of wanted to take back the mantle of nerdum and make it not something that anyone could be should be ashamed of. Um, you know, most adults aren't, but some kids are would be embarrassed to be called a nerd. Um, but I think being a nerd is amazing. It's sort of a celebration that you have found something that you love deeply mm. and that you want to mm. share with the rest of the world. So the engineers are those types of kids and um, they uh, are very interested in um, uh, engineering type stuff. And so um, speaking of weather, I was also a weather nerd as a kid and still am. Um, and the book all starts because the kids are noticing some strange things happening with the weather. And one of them decides to create something to uh, help people if they find themselves in what they call a catastrophic weather event. Um, and it sort of just all goes haywire. Um, but the books really um, uh, are the, the, the long arc of the trilogy, which I can now talk about now that the third one out is really about um, uh, the planet and, and encouraging kids to have an interest in the planet um, to, to develop a sense of wonder in the planet and its weather and all of its offerings and to sort of take responsibility as much as they can to protect it and stand up for it and treat it well. Um, yeah. So that's a general overview of the engineers, I guess. We are caretakers are supposed to be anyway, caretakers of, yep. of the planet. So that's uh, an excellent, excellent way to, to foster that. And so, Jared, tell me where, other than in the little free libraries uh, that you visit, where can we get your books? My books are available um, anywhere books are sold, um, online, in person. Um, you can get them wherever. And uh, I just came off a virtual visit with some kids, and I told them this, so I'll share this with you. Um, this is true for my books, but for pretty much any book. Uh, if you go into a library or a uh, bookstore and they don't have the particular book you're looking for, you can always ask the librarian or bookseller if they can uh, get a copy of it for you. And that's a hugely um, uh, beneficial thing. Uh, it's a great way to support authors. But um, so if you don't, if you go to your library or a bookstore uh, and you don't see it, you can always ask for it um, and they can get it. And uh, otherwise it's available at any online book retailer. Now, you're in Florida today. Do you, do you go down to Florida for the winter uh, period and then go back to Massachusetts here pretty soon? Uh, so my wife and I um, love traveling and mm -hmm. um, we love New England and we love the winter up to a point. So typically uh, come February, we are um, over winter, um, especially when it stretches into to March and April, as it typically often does in New England. And so... Um, on a, in a normal year, in a non-pandemic, we would be 
um, traveling to uh, warmer, warmer climes um, during the colder part of the winter. Um, and this was, this was basically as far as we thought we could safely get um, with a three and a half year old and a five month old in tow. So uh, mm-hmm. we said, how far do we think we can drive and how close can we get to a, to a beach and uh, good weather? So um, this was the destination. Um, but typically we, we might've flown to Florida, uh, California to see some family um, or gone somewhere else, but we just love to travel and we're, we're, we're eager to do it after a year of essentially not doing it. Well, Jared, yesterday, uh, as of this recording, uh, it was 70 degrees, uh, actually 72, uh, and tomorrow there should be an inch or two of snow on our ground, uh, just to show you how eclectic <laughs> our weather can be. So you're yes. always welcome if, if you ever miss snow. Uh, we usually have some, uh, even in March. Well, last year, we even had measurable snow twice in the month of May, which yeah. is was really rare. In fact, that's never happened in Cleveland history. Uh, the first time since 1869, and that's when wow. records began. So you're always welcome. And if you don't uh, want to fly here or drive here, I'll ship you some by mail. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Jared, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, and again, we will supply uh, a couple of those interesting photographs and links to your book, Uh, on the show notes uh, for this episode. Uh, We want to thank you for taking the time uh, away from your family and away from the gorgeous weather. I'm sure it's a lot nicer than than it is here right now where it's uh, 43 and raining. Wow. Well, I'll enjoy it for you. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, no need to apologize. Uh, Just make sure you ship it north in a few months. That'll that'll work. I'll do my best. Jared, thank you so much. And again, thanks for being a part of Weather Jazz. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you found today's interview very interesting, certainly a different angle about little free libraries. And if you have interest in Jared's books, I'm going to provide a link on the show notes, episode number 175 at weatherjazz.com. Now, I'm going to conclude this series next week, one week from today, and uh, this time we're going to be essentially talking with somebody who has built one of those little free libraries because of their love for reading in a most unique community. That's your hint, and we'll have more coming up one week from today on Friday, April the 16th. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please do help me to spread the word about this podcast, especially in your sphere of influence via social media, email, or just over the fence with your neighbor. And even more so, if you are an avid reader, and uh, this is a series I think they're going to enjoy. They'll have to do some catch-up from last week because last Friday was the first in the series of the Little Free Library Open Line Friday series. Special thanks to all of you who continue to partner to support Weather Jazz. From Ohio, Dale Osborne, Will and Tonya Cross and family, Christine Barnes and Rose Moore. In Florida, Bill Martin. In Vermont, Victoria Singer. In Tennessee, Andrea Rich. And I want to add your name to that list. 
It's easy to become a supporter. Just look for the links at the bottom of every episode's show notes, and you can partner at any one of three levels. The lowest is only 99 cents a month. By the way, if you have a question, a topic suggestion, or you just want to say hello and tell me how you came across the podcast and how it is you listen to it, I welcome that input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now, via text or voicemail at weatherjazz, the podcast audience connect line. Here's the number, 234-525-5888. That's the Weather Jazz Podcast audience connect line at 234-525-5888. And as I always like to say, if you're listening to this in the car, and you can't transcribe that, not to worry. It is at the bottom of the show notes at every episode at weatherjazz.com. We'll see you soon with another Monday, Meteorological Monday episode of Weather Jazz next week. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.